You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. I told you guys a, a little while ago that I was saved in college. Uh, that's when I first encountered the Lord. And after I was saved in college, um, I was really on fire for Him. It was the first time that I had ever encountered the Lord in a real way. It was the first time I ever experienced who Jesus was. And so for me at that time, I couldn't wait to tell as many people as I could. I would go to every Sunday service, I would go to every Wednesday service, I would go to every early morning service that I could. I did everything possible in order to know more about Jesus Christ. And every person that I met, I made sure to tell them about who Jesus was as well. But one thing strange happened, and that was that when people would come up to me and they would ask me how I was doing, I would say I'm fine, and I would ask them how they're doing. And they would begin to tell me kind of the troubles that they're going through, a lot of the things that are difficult in their lives. I just wouldn't be able to understand. I wouldn't be able to empathize with what they're going through. It was strange. The, whole, the question that kept running through my mind again and again as I was thinking was, man, why don't you just have more faith? Why don't you just believe a little more? I mean, if you believe in the Bible, if you say that you're a Christian, then why don't you just believe in that? I mean, come on. If you believe in this thing, if you believe that Jesus overcame death, that he overcame despair, then why are you still sad? Why are you still upset? Why don't you have peace? That was the thought that would be running through my head. How naive. Because only a little while later, after I graduated college, I ended up going to Korea. And it was in Korea that I experienced one of the worst times. I just couldn't adjust to the land. I couldn't adjust to the country. I couldn't speak the language. I couldn't understand the culture. I couldn't understand anything that was going on there. And I just, I became so bitter. I became so bitter. I became angry at, at my family. I became angry at my friends. And most of, most of all, I became angry at God. I just didn't understand why he would place me there. But there was one voice that kept running through my head, and it was my voice that said, Danny, why don't you just have more faith? If you really encountered the Lord that, like you said you did, if you really believe in who he is, if you believe in that, then why don't you just have faith? Why don't you just believe? Shouldn't you just have peace? Shouldn't that be all that you have? So why are you struggling? Why are you going through difficult times? And I think for, for a lot of us, we, we have that question. We have that question. We don't know and we don't understand why that these things may happen to us. We don't understand why God may put us in these situations, even though we say that we know the Lord and we encounter Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I thought about this before. If I had a time machine, and I could go back to that time of when I was struggling, what would I say to myself? What would I say to me that would bring comfort, 
that would bring peace. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I, I just didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. I didn't know what I would say to bring comfort. And I don't think, honestly, there's anything I would have been able to say that would bring me comfort in that time. Because the thing is, I think we can understand for a lot of us that even for me as a pastor and as someone who has been able to mentor and counsel, that at the end of the day, I will always lean towards one direction rather than another. At times when I, when I need to be more supportive, I will be more confrontational. And there are times when I need to be more confrontational, but I end up being more supportive. There's times when I'm going to be more truthful when I need more grace, and more grace when I need to be more truthful. And that's going to be the same for all of us. We're always going to be in that same spot. Because the thing is, we're human. And we're always going to make mistakes. And no matter what experiences you've gone through, no matter how many experiences I've gone through personally, it doesn't matter because there will always be experiences that you have gone through that I can't even fathom. There will always be experiences that you go through that I will not know how to counsel through, that I will not know the right words to say, that I will give you pain and I will give you hurt because I've spoken incorrectly, because I'm human. That, that is what will happen. And you see, in the church, we're going to need counseling and we're going to need support because the thing is, if you are a Christian, this is my first point, if you are a Christian, then expect tears. If you are a Christian, then expect tears. You know, there's this misconception for a lot of us that the minute we become saved, that the minute that we become Christians, that a lot of these things will, will, will change for us, that bad situations will not occur, that maybe uh, these uh, evil things will not happen, that God will automatically block everything and that our lives will be straight. Or that when we get to know Jesus even more, that as we reach another level with God, that even with that, God will say, okay, now you've cleared this level, so I'm going I'm to make your path a little bit easier. But you see, that's a myth. Because in fact, the Bible says that the opposite will happen. That when you become a Christian, that if, when you believe in Jesus Christ, that something happens in your life where you will have to endure suffering even more. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 11, there is this thing that happens where the Israelites all scatter. And God, he comes up to the people and he says to the people, you know what, I'm going to bring you all back together. I'm going to bring a new Jerusalem. And something great is going to happen. And he uses this metaphor about conversion that I love. He uses a lot of different metaphors, but this one in particular is something that hits me so hard because he says, you know what, when you come together and when you experience me, your hearts of stone will turn to hearts of flesh. Your hearts of stone will turn to hearts of flesh. What does that mean? It means your heart will turn more into a heart. That's what it means. It means that the, the, the things that you didn't love before, you're going to start to love. The things that you didn't care about before, those things you're going to start to care about. Those things that you had no idea of, that you always protected yourself, the things that you always had a wall over, those things will start to go away because Jesus Christ has entered your life and you start to see in the eyes of Jesus Christ. That's what happens. 
And so he says, the minute you are converted, the minute you believe in me as Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior, then your heart of stone, that heart of stone will turn into a heart of flesh. You see, we are meant to endure. And we are meant to persevere. And we are meant to go through these difficult times. You know, in 1912, there was this uh, Norwegian ship company. And they were trying to build the ship that would be able to go through the Arctic Ocean. And so they had to devise a plan and think of the best way of doing that. And as they were thinking, they realized that they had to make a ship that would be twice as thick as a normal ship. That they had to put twice as much wood, twice as much oak. They decided that they needed to use a special type of wood called greenheart wood that would cover the entire ship as well. They had to do all these different things and reinforce all these different parts to make sure that it could withstand these freezing temperatures so that they could ferry passengers around. And so it got to the point where they sent out the ship. And at that time, only one other ship was able to go through the Arctic Ocean. It was a ship called the Fram. But there was a big difference between this ship called the Fram and this other Norwegian ship, which is called Endurance. The ship called the Fram was made in a way that the bottom curved upwards, so that when it hit ice, it would immediately slide away. And when it hit ice, it would immediately slide the other way. That's what the Fram was made to do. But the interesting thing about the Endurance was that they made the bow so that the minute it hit ice, it would go through it. And so that every time it would hit, hit ice, it wouldn't slide to the left or to the right, but it would go right through. And I believe that's what Christianity is. That's what Jesus has equipped us with. It wasn't meant to look at these situations and see the best way in how we can avoid it. It's not, we're not meant to look at bad situations and see the best way in how we can go to the left or go to the right. We were made to confront, and we were made to go through their ice. And we're made to do those different things. But the difficult part is that even for us in the church, man, we go through these difficult times, but how do we counsel each other through it? How are we supposed to go through these difficult times and yet as humans be able to counsel and give advice when we always give the wrong advice? And that's point number two. It's because Jesus is able to meet us at the exact right moment at the exact right time. He is able to. You see, in this passage here, we have three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they were the friends of Jesus. They weren't just friends, actually. And the Bible here says that they had a special relationship with Jesus. They were extremely close. It says that Jesus loved them. He loved them. And so you would think that with their relationship that close, with everything going that well, that they, would be, that they would have no kind of hurt, that they would have no kind of pain. And yet Lazarus, he received a sickness, and he ended up dying. And this is when Jesus was away. And so Jesus heard this, and he begins to walk towards Lazarus' tomb. And on his way to Lazarus' tomb, Martha runs out to him. And Martha runs out, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And in that moment, Jesus, he sees where her eyes are going. He sees where her thoughts are going. He sees the fear, and he says some of the most famous words in the Bible, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you will never die. And so we see he sees where her heart is going, and he confronts it and stops it. And he says, no, 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 don't look that way. Look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look, at I'm here. I'm here now. So you don't need to worry about any of that. I'm going to tell you the truth, and I am the truth. And so he confronts her. But only a few moments later, where we pick up in this passage, Mary, her sister, runs up to Jesus. And Mary says the exact same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yet, how does Jesus respond? He responds so radically different. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't confront her with the truth. He doesn't say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the love, I am the resurrection. He doesn't say any of that. He just goes to the side with her, and he cries. He cries. That's it. And so what I want you to know today What I think is so important for us to understand is this one characteristic of Jesus Christ. And it's that he is fully God. He is fully God. He has the whole universe in his hands. He knows the very beginning to the very end. He knows absolutely everything possible. And at the same time, he is fully man. Where he is is loving, where he is comforting, where he knows the very intimate moments of your heart. He is fully God and he is fully man. That is who Jesus is. And so what we know is that in that moment, when Martha runs up to Jesus, he confronts her. He stops the flow of her heart. And he says, no, no, you turn around. You see, I am in control of all these things. I am in control of your life. Death has no stranglehold over you because I am here. I am more powerful. And yet, with Mary, he enters the flow of her heart. And he enters into her grief. And he enters into the depths of her sorrow when she feels abandoned, when, he, when she feels so hurt. She goes, he goes, no, it's okay. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to sit here with you. I'm going to cry with you. That's what Jesus is able to do. That's why it says in Hebrews 4 that Jesus is not just some high priest who can't empathize with our weaknesses, but he's actually a God, a king, a man who, is able, who has gone through every temptation and yet has not sinned. And so that's why we can go to his throne of grace with confidence and with assurance, knowing that he knows exactly the right prescription for us. Because God, he is able to go to the very highest of highs and also at the same time go to the very lowest of lows because he is both God and he is both man. And because of that, he is able to meet our every need, whether that is at the very top, whether that is very bottom, or whether that is in between. God is able to meet us exactly where we need to be. That's our God. But the difficulty is, the problem is not with him, but the problem is that we end up going to other things for comfort 
The thing is, we end up going to the other things that we love. You know, St. Augustine, who's, who's um, a really famous uh, theologian, one of the fathers of Christianity, you could say, he called this disordered loves. Disordered loves. He says that when your loves are out of order, that something gets messed up in the order of your life. And he says that if your order, if your number one love is not God, then everything else will get messed up. Because for us as humans, for us as people, we end up putting other things above God, and that's when things begin to get messed up. For example, he said, if you have a spouse, if that spouse is someone in, in above the Lord, if your spouse is someone you love more than God, then guess what? If you're, the things that your spouse goes through, the things that you want your spouse to do, that your spouse will get crushed under your expectations. And vice versa, you also will get crushed under the expectations of your spouse. But the thing is, the, the beautiful thing is that even though our loves are out of order, even though we try so hard to put them back in place, and even though at times we just look towards what we love more, God's loves are not out of order. Jesus' loves are not out of order. And so because for him, his first, first priority is God, is glorifying himself. He is able to love us infinitely. He is able to save us. He is able to meet us in every part, in the highs and the lows. He is able to do that. What a great God that he is able to go in every direction. You know, C.S. Lewis, he, in his book, uh, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is a book in the Narnia series, Towards the end of the book, the four main characters, the four children, they end up going to uh, this place uh, called the end of the world. And this end of the world is kind of this waterfall, this beautiful area. And when they're there, they can look off into the distance, and they see somewhere that's called Aslan's country. And Aslan is this king, this, this lion who is, who is king over all of Narnia. And for them, as they were looking off, they see this lamb approach them. And they're like, oh, well, what's this lamb doing? They, they begin to talk with it, and, and everything's going fine. But little by little, they realize that this lamb is being to turn. And this lamb, it turns into a lion. And they realize that they were talking with Aslan the whole time. You see, in, in Revelations, Jesus is called a lion and a lamb. He has called both these things because he is able to meet us in the very highest of highs and he is in control of all things. He is Lord over everything. He is King of kings. He has accomplished so much and he has yet to do so much in our lives as well. He has overcome death. He has overcome all of these things for our sake. And yet at the same time, he is a lamb. He is the peaceful lamb who has come and he knows us intimately. And he knows us to the very depths of our soul. And even when we are so afraid, and even when we feel so abandoned, Jesus is next to you. And his tears are next to you as well. And he is by your side. You know, a, a writer, an author said this, Jesus is tenderness without weakness, Strength without harshness and humility 
without the lack of confidence. That's who our God is. And as we go into further down when Jesus raises Lazarus, I think what we need to understand as well is that tears, although are comforting, although good, is not enough. Because in verse 38, it says that Jesus was deeply moved. And the English translation is a little bit weird because what we don't understand that only portrays in the Greek here, in the original language, is that it wasn't that he was sad and that he was just sadly going towards the tomb. It said actually that he was furious. He was so deeply moved. His spirit was so deeply moved that he was furious, roaring like a lion towards the tomb. And the reason why he was able to do that, the reason why he was like that, was not because he was sad, not because that he was upset that death had won, but because he was furious that death had tricked us. That he was furious that death had tricked Mary and Martha so much that they thought that Lazarus was dead forever. But what he wants to tell you today, what he wants you to know, is that that's not true. He is saying that there is no thing in this world that is greater than him. There's no thing in this world that can overcome Jesus Christ. There's no thing in this world that is greater than our God. And so the thing for us is, when we think about this, let me give you an example. If you raise a child, and you give him everything, and you do your best to raise him up, and to give him a life that will be prosperous, and a life full of the Lord, and all of these different things, and yet, a little while later, you see that he is being influenced by the wrong people that he begins to go towards this wrong crowd. Would you not be furious? Would you not be furious? And it's in this anger that Jesus is furious. He is so upset. He is so upset because death has tricked us. Sin has tricked us. Satan has tricked us into believing that that stuff, that the world is more powerful than Jesus Christ. And so when he calls out to you and he says, Lazarus, come out. He's saying to you guys to come out from where you are, that you're not in bondage anymore. That you're not in sin anymore because he has already overcome those things. He has already overcome death. He has already overcome sin. He has already overcome all of these things. So he says, just believe in me and stay next to me as a child of mine. And if you do that, then it will be okay. But right now, you are in the tomb. And you don't, know, you don't know that you can just come out. So I'm calling to you right now, come out. Come out from there. And you see, this, the great thing about that is too, is that the minute he said that to Lazarus, the moment he said that to Lazarus, he knew that he was signing his own death warrant. He knew that the minute he said, come out, Lazarus, he knew that the people and the Pharisees would get so angry, would get so upset, that immediately afterwards, it says here, that they began plotting his death. For him, he knew that the minute Lazarus came out, that he would go in. That the minute Lazarus was raised from the dead, that it would be his time to die. And I think that's the story for us as well. Jesus died so that we could live. And that's something we need to understand, that 
that in order to have life, there must be death. In Colossians 3, Paul talks about how in order to be born again, we need to die to our old selves. And for Jesus, he said, for you, I, I want to I give you life. I want to give you everlasting life. I want to give you everything possible. But in order for me to do that, then I'm going to die in your place. Then it will be me going to the grave, not you. It will be me overcoming and not you. So just hold on to me. Hold on to me. And that's the main story. That's the main thing. And I hope that for us, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as this church family, that we can say that with full confidence in what Paul said in Philippians. Man, to live is Christ, but you know what? To die is gain. I hope that that's our, our cry as well. And so before I end, I want to give one challenge to you guys. Just one challenge. You know, all love requires suffering. In order to love, you need to sacrifice. C.S. Lewis said that it's really easy to not get your heart broken. Just don't love anything. So if you don't love anything, then you'll always be protected. You'll always have your heart still. You won't ever have to give it out to anyone. And little by little, you'll see that your heart will slowly turn to stone. So don't love anything. But for us, we know that love, it takes suffering. In order to give our heart out to someone, in order to really invest in someone, you will get hurt. For parents, if you have a child, I'm going to tell you an easy way and how you can keep your comfort and privacy. Just make sure that you're able to separate your own time and just don't give enough time to your kids. That's, that's what you can do. You can always keep your own privacy and your own comfort and your own things to, your own, to, to yourself. You can do that and just leave your kid alone. And so when your kid comes in and you want your own comfort, tell them to go away. Your child will grow up messed up. That's 100% sure. But you'll have your own comfort. For you guys, if you have a friend who's suffering, who's in need, who's, who's in a bad situation, there's an easy way to keep your own comfort. Don't pick up their calls. Don't pick up their calls. Don't meet them. Don't talk to them. Make them go through their own things. Make them go through their own suffering. You'll keep your own comfort, but they're going to suffer more. And that's my challenge to you guys. It's going to be either you or them. It's either one or the other. It's not both. You can't have both. You can't have your own comfort and your own privacy and your own love and your own things and everything to yourself right here and also have everything on the other side. It's not possible. And so you're going to have to choose one or the other because Jesus Christ, he chose for us. He chose that in order to give us life that he will die. He gave that to us. And all he asked for us to do is accept him and follow in his footsteps. And so that's my challenge to you. What will you do? Because it's either going to be you or it's either going to be them. And I choose them. I choose them. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, for all the things that you are doing for us. But God, I pray for this moment, for this time right now, that you would bring about change in our lives, 
not for any other superficial reason, but Lord, because you have died for us in order to give us life. So God, I pray that we would not waste that opportunity, that we would not waste what we've been given. But God, I pray that you would hit our hearts and that we would be able to respond to you, God. So Lord, I pray that that would be our one desire, that that would be the one thing that we want more than anything else, Lord, that we were made to endure, that we were made to persevere, because, Lord, you are able to meet us at every need. And so, God, even if we take our hearts out and we put it on a plate and we give it to someone else, and even if they stomp on it, and even if they cut it up, Lord, it's going to be okay because we know that you, who are truly all God and truly all man, are still able to meet us in our time of need. And you are still able to meet us in that very same place. And you are able to meet us God, you are able to. You are able to fulfill our every desire. And so, God, I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts, Lord, that we are going to give everything we can to everyone else because, God, we trust in you, that you have provided more than enough for me. Would that be our desire? Would that be our cry? And so at this time, if you could just pray that to the Lord, if you could just cry out to Jesus, he is able. He is able. He has called you out of the grave, and he has said that he will go in your place. If he has done that, what is your response? What is your answer? What will you do? Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you for, man, accomplishing everything already. You are our high priest who knows us so intimately and loves us without end. And I pray that we will go to your throne of grace with confidence and assurance knowing that you have already done it all. And God, I pray that for anything that we may be struggling with, any sin, any hurt, any addiction, God, that we would come before your throne and we would give that to you. Because, Lord, you are able to meet us in, every, in any situation, in every, in every need, Lord. You are able to meet us in the very highs and the very lows, God. And so, Lord, I pray that we would give that all to you because you are good. May we ever trust in you. Thank you for dying on the cross, and for rising again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.